Welcome to Creators Abroad. I'm Katerina, your nomad guide living in Northern England. And this is another narrative journey where we travel, take risks, find opportunities and spark our imagination. I create these episodes to help you in your creative journey and share tips to navigate life in a foreign country or town. Above all, we find out how best to make a living as a creator. Quick one before I let this episode rip. I recorded with my guest, Robert Bell, a while back. And oh man, this guy's just got like the coolest voice ever. You'll hear it in a second. He's also like the super award-winning accountant dude who's changed the field of accountancy through applying creative thinking. Well, that was a mouthful. And all these colleagues are like, man, how do you do that? Anyway, he recently done a TED talk on the emotions behind your money. And I wanted to make sure I could include a link to this so that you could all check it out. So I waited a bit before I released this journey, filled with, uh, I'm not even going to try to explain it. Let's just get into it, shall we? Everything you can imagine is real. These are the words of Pablo Picasso. As we go through life, however, many of us are taught to put a lid on our imagination and we start feeling that being normal is a requirement for success. What if the opposite was true? What if in rediscovering our creative gene and learning how to use it effectively, we can set ourselves apart and find unexpected career opportunities? My guest today is a CCA qualified accountant, managing director of SMIP consultancy and transformational speaker, Robert Bell. Originally from the Caribbean, now living in Kenya, he has three core pillars in life. He's a champion of creativity, helping those who feel stuck in their career or life break free from the norm. He's also an ambassador of wellness, helping others identify and transform their trauma into a story of victory. And he's a pursuer of excellence, helping reduce the high failure rate of small businesses. In this episode, you'll learn why you should stop trying to fit in and start letting your creativity flow in work, in relationships, in life, in everything. Welcome to the show, Robert. Oh, I am feeling so excited about that introduction. <laughs> Thank you so very much. And I am happy to be here on this show. You're welcome. And I had so much fun just going, reading your book and going through all of the information about you. So I'm super excited for this. Fantastic. To give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there's a film soon to be released called Blow the Lid Off. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? All right. Will I be the star of that film? <laughs> Up to you to decide. It's your film. Right. It's my film. All right. Yeah. Lights, camera, and action. Um, and I'll do my best. So sitting at his cubicle, punching away at the calculator, Robert does his best to contribute to the growth of the business. But he goes home every day feeling so unproductive, feeling so unsatisfied. Until one day, while he was presenting a financial report to the board, he threw all the routine out of the window. And at the risk of even losing his job, he put on his creative suit and voila, he just did it in his wonderful, simple, but yet unique manner. And the presentation went fantastic. It was the best presentation that had ever happened. Endowed with this new superpower, Robert goes from offices to homes, to unemployment lines to entrepreneurship, helping people to blow the lid off their creativity. Scene one, the battle to fit in. Creativity is the means to connect two dissimilar topics. We don't always realize that's how simple it is. It implies thinking outside the box, coming up with unlikely solutions and shedding new light on familiar aspects of our existence. A little bit like your presentation in the film trailer. Now, while growing up, first of all, where did you grow up and what did being creative mean to you? All right, so I grew up in the Caribbean island of Antigua, twin island state of Antigua and Barbuda, um, located 17 degrees north, 35 degrees west. Just close southeast to Puerto Rico, about an hour's flight to Jamaica just to help locate it for you. So that's where I grew up. And when I was growing up, I didn't really understand creativity, honestly. It wasn't a word that was used quite often and the only understanding I had of it was in the art class and in the painting class. That's what I knew creativity was. 
And I just knew that was somewhere I need to completely avoid <laughs> because I had broken my arm when I was younger and my artistic skills were just, yeah, totally, totally just not even acceptable, not even not even worthy to be graded. <laughs> and so my understanding of creativity was someone who is fearless. Creativity meant, you know, just being fearless, being courageous, but also just being artistic. That's what I understood creativity to, to mean when I was growing up. Yes. Yeah, so you weren't the type to, to, for example, necessarily become a musician or like take up painting lessons or become an artist or, you know, like the typical ideas we've got of someone who's creative. That does not describe you. Is that right? It doesn't describe me. Although I did do a bit of music, I played a few instruments when I was younger. And I can tell you in hindsight, I was, I was well, I am think I'm still pretty smart. Um, <laughs> I was that, <laughs> that, that student in class who had the answers right. Oh, I'm blessed with photographic memory. So if I read mm -hmm. the, the textbook or the notes, I would remember everything. But I never got excited by answering questions, getting test results back, you know, scoring the highest or the second highest. Mm -hmm. I became very alive when I was playing my instruments, although at times very horribly. <laughs> But it, it made me feel so alive. It made me feel so at home. And... I just knew that I couldn't do that when I became older and left school. So I enjoyed it while while the fun lasted. I played very, very well. Okay. Yes, and that's, that's quite interesting. But maybe it's because of this reason that uh, you chose to study accountancy after, I suppose, well, after completing school. And I read somewhere that you describe it as a melancholic profession, which kind of struck me because, to be honest, my brother... As an accountant, I actually come from a like a family with quite a strong accountancy background. And while working, well, while you were working in a non-creative domain, you did, however, become fascinated by creativity itself. In fact, you found yourself being labeled too creative in the field, which is kind of ironic. So why did you become an accountant in the first place? If you can shed some light on that. And then did you ever think like, oh, maybe I should try a different career or maybe there was something else I really wanted to do? Well, to be honest, I I always thought I would be, and I and I say this intentionally, a mad scientist. Um, <laughs> I always imagined <laughs> right. myself creating something. I, I would do a lot of mm -hmm. experiments. Uh, I grew up in the 80s, so my idea of fun was reading the encyclopedia and trying mm -hmm. the experiments that I, I saw. I used to love that. I love that very much, and I always thought that one day, I'm going to invent or create something that will change mankind. I mean, that was just yeah. really etched in my in my memory. But um, yeah, while I was still had good grades in school, I, I still didn't push myself too much. I didn't have a passion or desire to further education. So that was just a dream inside of me. And when I met accounting, it made sense. I tried it. I found I found it to be a beautiful art form, actually. And I told my All teacher, right. like, I told my teacher that this makes so much sense. Like every debit must have a credit and everything must balance and match. Like nothing can be lost. So I got it instantly. And because I got it, I got it so well. My teacher said, listen, in my 30 years of teaching accounting, I have never seen one, someone excited about accounting and two, get it on the first try. You are destined to do this. So I was like, mm, yeah. okay, fine. Why not? And then I became an accountant because it just became easy to me. Yes, I mean, I think I can kind of link that to my own experience with maths because I had the same thing. Now, I'll be honest with you, I've never tried accountancy. It wasn't really a subject that we could take. But with maths, I was just like, oh, yes, this makes so much sense. Everything is straightforward. There's a right, there's a wrong. And I could just spend hours doing it. So I kind of get where you're coming from. Now, you went on to study accountancy. And as I mentioned, you, you kind of had this all this time, this kind of creativity in you as well. But if we think a little bit broader, when we're in a workplace, we do try to fit in just because our chances of being happier, of perhaps feeling motivated are higher. And then the, the opposite side of that, if we don't fit in, it's actually quite draining on our energy because we're constantly aware, okay, well, you know, People might be looking at me strangely or I might not be doing things quite the way I should be doing. So it, it is a drain of energy and we can even feel a bit of fear. Mm -hmm. What did you decide to do or rather to do to create a new territory of creative thinking within scientific and factual domains? So just to rephrase that a little bit, 
how did you kind of bring in that creative aspect into fields which are considered rather scientific and factual? So in a way, not fitting in? Yeah, I, I, I totally understand. Now, this, this desire to pursue creativity, is, it's always been inside of me when I look back in hindsight. But the workplace is not the, the best place to start experimenting with things. Because just as you said, you know, the, you know, the meeting the expectation, you know, fitting in, getting that stamp of approval that this is, this is who an accountant is. It, it just, it was never something that was a priority for me. It just, I was, I, I, I want to say a loner. I, I was okay with being a loner. And when I studied accounting, because I got the mechanics so quickly and so early, most people get that as they progress through their career. So by the time I entered mm -hmm. the corporate world, I knew the mechanics hands down. I had no issues about it. I just needed to sit down. You give me the documents and I'll get things done. So I was able to finish my work such in record speed. On top of that, I mean, because I said earlier, <laughs> aging myself, I grew up in the 80s. I, in high school, I actually learned the typewriter. And then I learned MS-DOS. And I saw the progression to Windows. And I just saw what technology could do. And, and going back to what my lecturer told my, my teacher told me in accounting, that accounting is, is putting together financial transactions for decision-making. But I realized I was never making any decisions. I mean, the people in practice when I went to the workplace was just punching numbers, giving a report. And I, I would ask some of my accounting friends, like, okay, so what does the report mean? Oh, we made a loss. I was like, yeah, but that's, is, what else? What's the story behind the numbers? They're like, look, that's not my job. I was like, but like, that's what accounting is about. It's about having information to make a decision. And I was constantly told, you're not the decision maker. And that definitely fueled me. And so I decided mm -hmm. to start getting involved in the decision making by offering advice. And I looked at it. I leveraged on technology to, I was already doing my work at a very super fast rate. Um, and then I leveraged on technology to also reduce the number of errors. So that freed up a lot of my time. And when that freed up a lot of my time, I started to engage and explore throughout the rest of the business, uh, those in marketing, in purchasing, in sales and just get an understanding of how does business operate. And I didn't go in necessarily looking to solve a problem. I just went in to get an appreciation and to understand how does this whole cycle fit together. And naturally, um, the dots just started to connect. I started to see observations. I could see from an outside person's perspective the work that I was doing in the back office, how it impacts someone in, in the front office. And so as I progressed through my career, I started to take on assignments that were not so clearly defined because of the age of technology. A lot of new roles were coming in. And of course, whenever a new um, venture is being explored, there's always money behind it. So they need someone who has a bit of understanding of the financial impact. And I would raise my hand. I was like, okay, I have no idea about marketing, but I can help, you know, lead this product launch. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing, but I can, you know, I, I can partner with others. So I was always open to learning new things and connecting the dots. And that just started to happen. And then those opportunities start, started finding themselves to me where employers would hell hunt me and say, listen, we're just looking for someone. We have no idea what you're going to do, but this is the result we want. And they'll be like, I think you're the guy for the job. I was like, if you don't know what the job is, how do you know I'm the guy for the job? It's like, well, because you are willing to step into the unknown. You're willing to, you find a way. And I was like, all right, sure. And I did that. I continuously did that. Uh, consciously, what I started to do now is started to put together now a scientific approach, as it were, to creativity. Because I was like, what is this thing that's happening to me? How is it that I'm able to do this? What fueled me is that when I would go back to my accounting friends and say, hey, I did this. It was like Greek to them. They were like, I just can't do that. And I was like, why not? Like, it's so simple. You just go, you observe, and you connect the dots. Mm -hmm. I thought yeah. in, in my na naivety, I thought like, it's so simple. And so I decided I need to have a systematic scientific approach that is just undisputed so that someone else can just pick up my notes and do what I did. Yes, I mean, I think that's like amazing because... <laughs> I actually said it right at the start where I mentioned like, oh yeah, creativity, it just means connect two dissimilar things and that's it. It's actually quite simple, but it's not. And I think that's the, the, the thing that you're pointing out here is, and that's what makes your work quite innovative in the sense that it's completely new to devise a scientific or approach to 
implementing creativity in your own work so that, say, for example, somebody who might not have thought that way or thought the way you did at that stage can then try it and then see results in their own career. Is that what you were aiming at? That's exactly what I was aiming at. I was trying to see how do we replicate this? How is this thing yeah. replicated? Because I, I was, as I said, growing up, I always wanted to be a mad scientist in quotation marks. And um, I always wanted to invent something that would change humanity. And I, I recognized that this this was my shot. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a physical product. It could be something that's very intangible. And I realized that as much as connecting the dots is simple, what I started to realize is the fear that overcame people, the the vulnerability, the, the emotional aspect of it. And I I was blinded to that because I mean growing up from an accounting background, I was, you know, trained to look at things objectively and, you know, quantitatively. I, I didn't see the qualitative side of things. And when I started to pay attention to the qualitative side, because I would ask, I was probe, you know, like, Kat, why, why can't you do this? You're an accountant like me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, listen, I'm scared of being rejected. I was like, but that's the reason why you try. Like, there's no fear of rejection. I didn't understand that. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that power that I had within me. And and most people were trapped in this dogma, you know, you know this this. Yeah. The cycle of trying to fit in and tr- and breaking out of that is is perhaps one of the most difficult things we can do in our lives. I, I recognize that fear that overcame people, and I said, "Look, I need to approach this from a scientific and a neuroscientific uh, perspective." And I've fallen in love with neuroscience so much so that I'm um, thinking of doing a, a degree in, in neuroscience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should totally. I mean, I understand what you're explaining because that's exactly what I try to do uh, in part through the podcast is kind of like have people explore why they're so afraid and why they don't want to take those risks because I acknowledge now because I, w- I was a little bit like you, like I'm just like, okay, well, why don't you just try this? I mean, you know, I tried <laughs> it and I'm still alive. <laughs> you can try it as well. Um, so yes, I, I get that. And then I just realized people don't want to risk anything they just they want to stay within their comfort zone okay so talking about risks you at the same time as coming to terms with where and how you can be yourself at the workplace like kind of really pushing the boundaries of accountancy if you like and also taking it a step further and trying to think of how you can actually teach people how to do this instead of trying to be someone else within the workplace or trying to just fit in for example. So at the same time as this, you also moved from the Caribbean to Kenya, which, of course, that's where the risk, another risk taking um, action comes in is moving to a new country. Now, what prompted you to make such a drastic change? And in light of cultural adaptation, how did this impact you professionally? All right, yes, risk taking, I guess, was my forte. But if you were to ask me during all those moments, if I consider myself uh, a risk taker, I would be absolutely mm-hmm. not. I was actually such a scaredy cat. <laughs> I was very fearful. I can tell you of a lot of things, fearful of heights, mm-hmm. fearful of talking to girls, <laughs> fearful mm-hmm. of almost everything. And mm-hmm. I couldn't reconcile that fact. I, I was like, what is it? How is it that this part of my life, I'm able to just do it so easily without fear of what people would think without fear of i mean you know growing up as a teenager as a young adult you 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 know public opinion you know peer peer approval is very 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 high and it, it's strong and i just i don't know how come i was able to take those risks and what i discovered is that trying to be ourselves in the workplace uh, is a challenge because a lot of us seek to find ourselves in a profession what I mean is that we look for meaning and identity in work as opposed to have letting work be a source of an expression of meaning and an expression of our identity. So we tie up our identities in a profession. So those those my colleagues who are in finance and accounting, they they were identifying themselves as a typical accountant, quiet, you know, mm-hmm. reserved, shy, etc. And they took on that persona. And I did to some extent also do that. So I wanted to separate myself. And in doing that, I, I realized that, all right, if I take and separate myself from this profession, I mean, think about it for the first 18 years of your life, everything is geared towards this profession, right? Mm-hmm. The subjects that you you pick, your, your assessment, ETC, when do you get time to actually dis- discover and explore yourself? So that led me to a path of self-discovery. And I was actually born in Kenya, for, inf- for information. I was actually born oh, here, okay. but we, we never right. lived here. <laughs> 
we never yes. lived here my my dad um is 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 from the caribbean and he came you know for work and then you know got married etc and you know we moved back to his home so i decided i need to get back in touch with that part of me because perhaps that's the part of me that's leading me to be so fearless and so courageous because yes. the uh, the life that i knew everything about my life every aspect of my life was fear was was and i get that kind of fear that shaking mm-hmm. palm sweating uh, i couldn't even speak in in public you know like if you asked me to go in front of a, a crowd i couldn't even if you asked me to go in front of five people i would literally i can remember one time where i was so nervous that i froze i literally froze i couldn't move my arms i couldn't move my legs and people had to literally i was so stiff people had to literally carry me off the stage that's that's mm-hmm. the state at which i was in and i was like all right there must be some other part of my identity right that that explains this part so that's what informed my move to kenya to really just understand my roots and my heritage a bit more to get a better you know background as to what was going on and professionally yeah. it definitely affected me both positively and negatively negatively because a different way of work the corporate culture is very different that was it was a big struggle but thank goodness because of my field and profession as you introduced me at the start I'm an ACCA qualified accountant which is a global qualification so I was able to finish my qualification and that propelled my career professionally okay so that's really interesting i i wasn't aware that you were born in kenya and then of course you you went actually were going back to your roots and in terms well you said it had a positive and well a sort of a, like a negative impact on it if you can just uh, elaborate briefly on the positive impact professionally i mean yes i'm going to jump to the most juiciest part <laughs> okay. because because of my continual insistence that you know finance guys i keep telling my friends look we we got to be more than just number crunchers we got to be more mm-hmm. we got to be insightful we have to be part of the decision making i mean back then you, you imagine the late 90s the early 2000s accountants just wasn't doing that we we were so mm-hmm. busy i mean you never had any free time yeah and then the world economic forum i think in 2015 they about published the top uh skills that would be needed by 2020 right and creativity was up there i think number 3 on the list they also oh, really? produced a report um talking about the jobs that would be most impacted negatively uh bookkeeping uh, you know accounts clerk was at the top of that list <laughs> and when i saw that i was like prophecy is coming <laughs> you know i was just yeah. like I've been saying this for 10 years guys 10 years and then ACCA also produced another um, report talking about how now specifically in in response to that how the accountant of the future must look like so they surveyed uh, hundreds of thousands of people across the globe leaders not just finance people and ask how what do you think are the top skills that an accountant needs to have in 2020 and beyond to to survive and creativity was one of them so when i saw that like uh, no one had ever related creativity with an accountant so even when acca came out to the report they were like okay how does this actually work and at least i had a living testimony of it so that propelled me because now i started speaking about it some more i started to become an authority in that space and helping uh, finance people uh, acca gave me a lot of platforms uh, i got several awards around it so that's how it, it it impacted me positively because i was ready for the opportunity Yes. So I was wondering about those awards but that explains it. And then just on that point because I recently well fairly recently completed just like a, a short finance course a specific, specifically focusing on financial markets and what struck me then obviously the what you experienced was quite a while back and I did it like last year or the year before was the <laughs> actually the potential for creativity in financial markets in anything to do with understanding economical trends and it's absolutely fascinating. Scene to creative rebellions. Given your experience then of not only breaking free from the norm so that accountancy norm that you've been explaining the melancholic profession if you like but also creating your own new normality within this profession you wrote a book blow your lid off and the aim of the book is to guide others to live out their creativity instead of suppressing it so this is not just reserved for closet creatives and i think this is what the 
point has been so far. So it's not just, oh, okay, you feel like a creative person, you're an artist. Don't like let your creativity flow. It's not really just for them. In fact, it's really for people who feel like, oh, I'm in this profession and, you know, like, okay, I just have to do my job. Like, I just have to get through these numbers or whatever it is or my day. It's about really thinking outside of the box in those professions, the ones that are a little bit more like mathematical or scientific. So the truth is, in the end of the day, regardless of your job, you can let your imagination flow. Now, let's just take it one step back. <laughs> Why are we so obsessed with trying to fit in according to you? We are obsessed for it because of the social construct <clears throat> that we, we, we grew up in. You know, being a part of the herd, being a part of the community is what we excel to. Uh, and you hear this growing up, your parents say, listen, if you don't do well in school, you won't get a good grade, you won't get a good um, degree, and then you'll end up picking up, being a garbage collector. So it was hammered in us so much that exclusion is so painful. It's, it's, a, it's a shame. You know, being excluded is a shame. So we're so pushed to fit in, and we don't appreciate diversity. We don't appreciate divergent thinking. So the moment you start to step away from everyone else, right, that, that feeling of shame and rejection and failure, Failure is the biggest part of that feeling. And I love just what you said it. I do, this is my litmus test every time. The book, I wrote it for those who feel they're not creative because I am yet to date to meet someone who can prove to me that they're not creative. Please bring me a certificate. Bring me a test score that, that certifies you that you're not creative. Right? That's, yes. that's, that's the construct in which we're operating right now. No one ever says, I know I'm not creative right? People always say that I feel that I'm not creative. Mm -hmm. I'm an accountant. So I, I feel, I, I just don't feel creative. Even though they know they're accountant, they don't say, oh, I'm not creative. They just say, I feel that I'm not creative. It's, it's very rare yeah. to find someone who will abruptly say, oh, I'm not creative. Or maybe that, you know, they might say that's yeah. not for me, right? So that's, mm -hmm. that's the background in which we are forced so much to fit in because exclusion has been penalized throughout a society. Being different is, is punitive. It's a shame. It's failure. And when that happens, we become, we become slaves to conformity. And I use that word very intentionally. When I say a slave to conformity, it leads us to this point of feeling unsatisfied, especially if you're a professional in a corporate role. So you continue to work very hard. Though you're getting very minimal satisfaction from this job, from this profession, um, you continue to work at it. You continue to put in long hours. And imagine now people are working from home. You know, uh, at the time of this recording, we, we working from home is a normal is a normal thing right now. And we continue to work hard because we don't want to be perceived as a failure. We don't want to be excluded. We have never, uh, we've never put ourselves in a position to explore the unbeaten path, to go quietly on on our own journey to find out what's actually happening between our two ears. That's the problem that we face. And when we ever we try to step out, of course, think about it from the school days. You you're penalized. I wrote wrote about that in my book. Just trying to think differently, not for the sake of causing trouble, is perceived as rebellion. It's definitely perceived yeah. as rebellion. So stepping out from the norm is perceived as being rebellious. But I want people to be rebellious, not in a rude yeah. manner, but in a responsible yeah. manner. And lastly, you see, creativity is, is so mental, it's so emotional, it's so energetic. And oftentimes we become overwhelmed with the things of life and the routines of life. We become, you know, we become prisoners to our mind right? Something like that. We become trapped to the prison of our minds. Yes, we become trapped to the prison of our minds because everything is in our head. If I do this, if I do what, if it doesn't work out, if I start a business, what will happen? You know, everything is in our mind and nothing is, is actually in front of us to prove those thoughts that we have going on. Yes. And that just brings to mind something that someone else mentioned in, I really like the way they phrased it in the sense that it's not a question of if you'll succeed or if you're creative, it's when, like you just need to find that moment. And sometimes it does take the conventional perception of failure to get to that success, but it's because of that perception and because it's public a lot of the times that we just kind of give up before we can even get to that moment of success. Or in this context of this um, conversation, the moment where you really, your creativity sparks out and that creativity is combined with your expertise. 
and to kind of like move, whether it's your field or whether it's just a new idea or helping people really forward in society. Now, <laughs> if we start to voice that crazy idea during a meeting, say we, we, le we let it out, we, we let our imagination flow, we've got, we're getting our pro work done. And like in your case, we're now starting to suggest new ideas and possibly unpopular solutions, because believe it or not, sometimes people are just happy with doing the same old thing over and over again without looking for improvement. And we use our creativity perhaps also to start our own business on the side or even like as the, uh, the only thing we do. So we only have our own business in throughout all of that. We do risk a lot or that is what we think. What if it fails? What if others sees us wasting time? Now, sharing an example from your own journey, what does it mean to live a crazy life? And feel free to talk also of perhaps a failure that you've experienced. Exploring creativity and being creative is not about looking for success. It's about serving. Mm -hmm. So creativity is not about success, it's about serving. Yeah. I'm echoing that again because oftentimes we think that, okay, I'm going to try something so I must get a positive result, right? Yeah. You're trying to dictate output based on input and creativity doesn't work like that because with creativity, you, you're not even clear on all the different input that you have. Right? Creativity mm -hmm. helps us to become aware of, of the various um, factors or points that we have that we're trying to pull together and you can't see it. If I was to give you eggs, flour, butter, um, all these other things, you can, there's no way you can see a cake unless you've seen it before. There's no way you can see yeah. a cake. The only how you'll see the cake is by putting those ingredients together. And that's what it means to live a crazy life to me, is that I'm putting every part of my existence, every part of my being together and producing something out of it, not just producing an accountant, right? That's, that's, that's a profession, all right? Producing something that's unique to me. So living that crazy life is producing something that's very unique to you, that's your unique combination of things. Why I say, it's about service. It's because we try to suggest a solution in a meeting. And for us, it's, it's a dichotomous situation. It's either going to be accepted or it's going to be rejected. That's how we see life. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, creativity is not like that. Because you suggesting something, one, can lead to the eventual solution. Two, can be combined with what someone else is doing. When you approach it from a point of trying to be of service, because creativity is not about getting the right answer, it's about asking the right questions. And when you are fearful of raising your hand in the meeting or giving us suggestions, it's all right if, if, if the suggestion is not taken because it also helps you to refine your thinking and people get to see, all right, this is the perspective you're looking at. I didn't look at it that way because how often does someone raise their hand in the meeting and say, oh, I have an idea. Let's change the color of iPhones to to green and then someone like yeah wonderful let's go i mean it doesn't work like that right someone might might say nah that's not gonna work um and they'll put it aside and then maybe a month down the line a year down the line people are like you know what i'm starting to see um the rationale of 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 changing the iphone color to green because what i've experienced with creativity and living the crazy life is that i've learned to trust myself Living a crazy life is learning to trust your intuition, learning to trust that gut feeling inside of you. Just like I use my example, I started talking about accountants, harnessing creativity, and now I've expanded it to all professions and all job categories. That was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. But in the process of time, things started to connect. I was able to see, because creativity is about seeing things that don't yet exist. Yes, well, that's great. And then just on the flip side, of the crazy life and discovering our inner creativity, it might not actually be suited to everyone. I mean, and this is just something that occurred to me while I was doing prep for this interview. Maybe not everybody wants to live the crazy life. So do you agree, disagree? And why do you say that? I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I, you were I, gonna I, say it, but yes, why? <laughs> because of my experience, even with coaching so many different people and and I I there are times I get I go on LinkedIn and I, I, I look at people's posts and I, I reach out to them. I say, hey, do you ever consider yourself creative? And I get absolutely not. And I love those kind of people. I said, listen, I'll give you a free session. I'll coach you for a free session or two just to, you know, see what comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And you will be amazed to see the transformation that happens in such a person who was adamant that this is just not for me 
it's just a not for me. Now, it's important to understand scaling, right? My crazy is not necessarily the, the benchmark for anyone's crazy. And that's the thing with creativity. It's highly subjective, right? And we need to know what is quote unquote crazy. But everyone needs to strive to live that creative life because that is what we are meant to do as human beings. Uh, throwing in the science now, that neuroscience, neuroscientist tells us that coming up with ideas, being creative is a normal function of the brain's uh, ability to process information. It is a normal functioning, particularly when you get a lot of sleep and you allow neurogenesis to take place, your brain is going to start connecting things that you didn't even know existed and ideas will come. It's it's a part of our human existence. I talked about it in the book also. Maslow said that, you know, in the hierarchy of needs that it just seems, he seemed to observe that a person who is happy is also someone who's creative. In other words, when you yeah. pursue creativity, it leads you to happiness. Just on that, so I was thinking back to Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs, and it's true. So, of course, if you're somebody who's perhaps who don't have all your primary needs met yet, your ability to be creative will perhaps be impeded. But it's also in the case of sometimes if you just acknowledge those and you take care of those needs first, so needs like uh, feeling secure, for example, in your in home environment or wherever, or just ha feeding yourself well, and you know, getting sleep and all of those things. That is what will lead to more creativity and just like being also perhaps braver in as well. Yeah, I mean, now, think about it for a moment, Kat. Imagine if you get an mm -hmm. email on SMS from someone who's considered to be probably a stranger. And with your podcast, that's a, that's an opportunity for you to live a crazy life. And someone yeah. gives a review on your podcast and is like, Kat, I, I just, just I listened to an episode uh, of your podcast and it literally saved my life. I was in a very bad place and it literally saved my life. You know, now imagine getting that kind of feedback, right? <laughs> imagine getting yeah. that kind of feedback. So that's what I mean that creativity is about service. Doesn't that make you feel happy? I mean, that, that, yeah, that's, exactly. that's happiness because it's a deep, you know, happiness is different. Okay, you know, happiness and joy. I mean, English has so many different ways of expressing yeah. something. But when you get that review on your podcast, Kat, I mean, that, that inner satisfaction that you feel, even if all your primary needs have not been met, you go to sleep that night just like, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the other flip side of it. I'm going to have to think a little bit more in depth about this because it, it's really gotten me thinking now and, and remembering some of the things that I've studied as well and had to bear in mind and do as a teacher, because obviously we were always taught that you have to consider whether the students in front of you, if their like needs have been met before you like push them too hard or how you yeah. present information and so forth. So lots of things are coming back to me. But just from your perspective, and you mentioned client transformation. Can you give us perhaps one example of a client who's gone through this experience? I have a client and she was a client from a business perspective first. She's an entrepreneur. Uh, she's an, she's was employed as a nail technician, fixing nails for ladies. Uh, forgive me if I don't have the right terminology. <laughs> uh, nail technician <laughs> is what I know. And she... Okay. I met her when she had just started her business, uh, just about one year into her business. And she got a referral to me because she was just really feeling insecure whether she made the right decision. You know, the onset of a business, you're pumping a lot of capital into it and yeah. you're not necessarily seeing the returns coming out. So I helped her first get her finances in order, right? And then what yes. I do in my business is that I, I work on the software part of, of the business, which is the owner, which is mm -hmm. the owner's mindset. And also the hardware, the physical, uh, the financial infrastructure. And so I sat her down and I, and I interviewed her without her knowing that I'm interviewing her. And I sense a lot of, because I, I, you can tell a lot uh, about someone through their financial habits, right? And that's, that's a new thing that I'm, I'm, I'm pushing around the world. You know, understanding your personal finances or your business finance tells so much more about you than you even know, because that's where our unconscious biases show up. That's where our you know, our reaction, our response to impulse shows up. Yes. What do you mean by finances? Is it spending or is it like how you budget or? Everything, how you budget, how you spend, your income, your, 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 your relationship with money defines and describes objectively your relationship to life. That's, that's how I put it. Mm -hmm. So how you okay. relate to money, 
right? And I'm, I'm going to show you in this example of the transformation of creativity. And so I, I really wanted to understand her story. And she used to wonder, why do you keep asking me this question? I ask her, why did you start this business? Because for me, one, that's a huge monumental energetic shift of moving from being, a, and, and she was getting very good money. I saw her, her, her finances to starting a business. And I asked her, why did you start this business? And she said she wanted to impact people. It wasn't just about making money. You know, it was about uh, providing jobs for others and she could see the gaps where, in, where she was working and how she could serve clients more. I was like, keep that in the front of your mind. Don't worry about whether your books are balancing. That's my job. You've called me in as a professional. So I kept her four months and focused on that. So we got things on track. She started to have more confidence. And then <laughs> COVID-19 pandemic hit. Yeah. And you can imagine she was also offering, you know, other beauty parlor services, facials. That's a high contact mm -hmm. business. And during lockdowns yeah, and everything, that is gone to absolute zero. Absolute zero when she was just trying to pick up. I sat her down during the pandemic and I told her, listen, you need to now unlock your creativity. You go back to that objective of why you started the business. Now, providing nail technician nail nail services and, and facials was your avenue to achieve that objective but how else can we achieve that objective to the same clients that you have in a different manner and i told her listen start setting up zoom calls of your clients and just speak to them because why does someone come to do their nails i mean someone wants to come to do their nails because they want to feel pretty they want to feel confident and i looked at her her customer her client um rota and there were a lot of high-flying professionals and i was like if you understand what they're going through in their work and ask them, why did you come to my service and how has that impacted you since you're not at home? And she started engaging them, started engaging them. And as soon as lockdowns opened up, business started booming. She even introduced now premium services. And mm -hmm. I'm proud to announce that her business grew twice as much as it grew during the year of the pandemic last year, 2020, as it did in the previous year when she started during a year of pandemic with, with, a, with a high contact business. I mean, when I went to review her book, she was just like, this was the best decision I ever made in my life. Not just starting the business, but really leaning into her creativity. She was all smiles. And before she was very, you know, nervous and upset and thinking everyone is, is against her, you know, that, that kind of space. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent example. And that's the thing, Robert, like those are the moments. It's in the moments of crisis that creativity shines. And you're always going to have those two camps for people who just like freeze and they're like, oh, what am I going to do? What, what am, like, it's all just going to pieces. And then the people who, and it's something simple, like just looking at what is the need of your clients who would normally in this case have come to your salon or whatever it is and had their nails done and still meeting that need, still showing up for them. And then you'll see the, the difference when things open up again and things return to normal. So that was a great example. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Let me just, just, just give me 10 seconds on that. And if you look at the flip side, men don't just go to the barbershop to get a haircut. They go to socialize. They go, I mean, there are movies built on that, the barbershop, where conversations yes. happen, where rhetoric is, 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 is spilled. So, hey, that's a tip for guys who may be, you know, struggling, you know, free consultancy here. Feel free to PayPal me. <laughs> that's a shameless plug. <laughs> Oh, yes, that's, that's, that's great. And I mean, just like from my own perspective, I'm just thinking like, yeah, those, those are the things that I miss just having those conversations with somebody who's not like in your life. They're not there every day, but it's having that objective perspective. That's what makes it so great. So scene three, resisting our comfort zone. So the truth is, once we embark on a more creative life, there'll be solutions, products and content that work really well, like the example you've given us, and then those that perhaps don't work. But as you explained as well, it's not about success and failure. It's about the process of creativity and coming up with the solutions or whatever it is that we need to think of. So that is perhaps when the lure, so per when we feel that something didn't work out, that is when the allure of comfort and security of convention then distract us. And we're like, maybe I should just like, you know, give this up and just go back to being an ordinary accountant or just in my case, like I gave up teaching. I should just go back to teaching and everything should be fine because then it's just back to comfort zone. And as humans, we want to feel safe, of course, like that's one of the needs. The Maslow uh, hierarchy of needs is one of the primary ones is we want to feel safe. 
and sometimes within our own creative pursuits. And this is the flip side of the coin. So we can be like, oh, I'm, I'm being creative. I've started this business. In my case, maybe I've started a podcast. And then we're just like, we get producing, we produce content, we produce content. And that then actually becomes a comfort zone and we stop pushing beyond them. So we've got the two sides to the coin going all the way back to your real, real comfort zone and then also just getting stuck again. How do we distinguish between when it's beneficial to stay within our comfort zone and when it's time to push beyond? Now, this is the other side of creativity that needs to be spoken about. And when I started mm -hmm. my business, um, obviously, I, I wasn't so sure what I was doing. I hadn't started a business before, although I'd been an, what, what is considered an entrepreneur. In all the corporates that I worked in, I would head a new product division or a new market segment. So I had that in me. But now running my own business, there were teething problems. And I, I had to adjust my lifestyle. Uh, you can imagine coming from a high-flying corporate, um, you know, going to members clubs, you know, <laughs> flying yeah. all across the world to, you know, watching every penny. And... 10 out of 10 people who were close to me or who understood my situation said, oh, I think now you should go back and get a job. Not one person, not one person ever said, oh, what is it that you're doing that's not doing? Hmm, I know someone mm. who went through a similar journey. Go speak to them. Because that, that just what you said, the lure of going back to conformity because it's, it's mm. guaranteed, right? It's guaranteed. Yeah. And what I tell people whenever I discuss my employment to entrepreneurship journey is it's not even about what I stand to gain, right? But what I was losing and what I was mm -hmm. losing in my job, besides my mind and my sanity, <laughs> what I was losing is, is, is my identity. I was losing my identity because I was con continuously being suppressed to be someone who I just wasn't. And I wasn't allowed to, you know, bring out the, the parts of me that could bring a lot of gain and a lot of, you know, value. And so, Finding that point me first means looking at both sides of the coin. What do you stand to gain, but also what do you stand to lose? It's about doing a risk analysis about it, right? And it's about understanding that, number one, at the core of everything is that no one will have that drive and that passion more than you. So never expect an external force to be the one to tell you, hey, you know what? You can keep going. Now, that may happen. But you have to realize that that's where you are coming from. And when you're looking for advice, don't just get advice from anyone right you need to get from advice from someone who will be objective and, and that advice doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's a creativity expert right so you yeah. can go to someone and say hey i i, I think I, I'm, I'm looking at doing this i'm thinking of doing this and that person especially if they are coach they will say all right so what are the po positives and what are the negatives what do you stand to risk and, and and what do you stand to gain etc at the crux of all that the only how you can know when to push back and when to pursue, you know, something that might be crazy creative is first doing a risk an analysis of yourself. Many of us don't really know our risk appetite. We think we know. So if you don't know your risk mm -hmm. appetite, you'll always be pulled and tugged in so many different directions. And I just did one actually just the other day, you know, and my risk profile is moderate. So there are times when I'm willing to take a risk on something and I define those situations. I define them beforehand. And I said, this one is something that I'm willing to take a risk. But I also put in place a mechanism to, what's the word, to hold myself accountable, that I'm not just going by, by feeling. So I put a mechanism in place where I have a checkbox. All right, if, if, if I'm deciding to pursue this, these are the bare minimum that must be present in this. There must be a support system. Yeah. There must be this. There must be that. And that's how you're able to, setting that up helps you to define or to decide how, when you should push or when you should pull back. Yes, and I think it, it also ties in with when you do take a risk or when you are like heading out on your own, starting your own business or doing something like that. You should also ask yourself, like the thing that you're doing, think of the people that it has an impact on. So what is it they're going to gain from you keep doing what you're doing and what is it they're going to lose if you decide to stop and vice versa. So it's also just thinking very deeply about the impact that you're having and keeping that in consideration when you're analyzing. And of course, I can't stress enough, and you mentioned it uh, too, is 
be careful who you ask for advice and don't always rely on other people telling you. And I've done this all my life. I'm, say, I'm t- saying it from experience. I've always just relied on other people telling me, oh yeah, that's the right thing to do. Do that. That's good. <laughs> and other people <laughs> would maybe say, okay, no, maybe that's a bit too risky. Don't do that. And then I just say, oh, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I've learned to not listen to, to other people. That sounds terrible, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you strongly believed, and this is just another aspect that I've noticed from reading more about you. So you strongly believed in a balanced living and you describe yourself as a wellness ambassador. Now, I'm all about wellness and well-being. So I was just wondering, like, from your own perspective, having done so much and like constantly thinking of all these new ideas and developing them and helping people, can you give us three tips on wellness in order to keep our creativity burning without burning ourselves out? Oh, yeah. How do you keep that fire burning without it consuming you? And um, exactly. Number one tip is stop trying to silence every storm in your life. I think that's the wellness tip. We exert a lot of our energies trying to stop things from happening, stop the storms from happening. All right. I have a, um, and I'm not saying try, not, not try to fix things, but I'm saying stop trying to silence every storm immediately. In, instead, learn to be silent in the storms, in and through the storms. Sometimes you go through some things in your life, um, in a relationship with a colleague, in, in, in a romantic relationship and so on, and it doesn't mean you have to spring to action every single time. Sometimes it requires you to sit still, reflect, you know, and become very aware as to what is going on, what's going on particularly within you, because that's what you can control. And too often we try to control the actions and behaviors of other people, and that leads us down uh, a wellness draining well you know we we dive down that well because we're trying to force things to happen we're trying to force behavior we're trying to force people to react in a certain situation um, such as that and i'll use a very loose example you go get a new outfit or a new hairdo for yourself because you want to feel good you want to look good and yes i understand it's important for people to acknowledge that in you but if someone doesn't have that same excitement that you have you don't need to be that upset. You don't need to be that upset because when you're, when you're getting to that point of upset, it goes back to what you just said, Kat, is that you have licensed your permission to someone else. You have licensed your permission to be happy to someone else. You've licensed your permission to feel good to someone else. You have licensed out your permission to live your life to someone else. So that's tip number two, is take back your license to be you <laughs> in, in wellness. Okay. Uh, and I don't want to use just the traditional wellness tips of go to sleep early, watch what you <laughs> eat. You know, it's, it's at a very deeper dimension than that, right? We need to take back the license of living our lives, right? It doesn't mean you don't care about what people say, right? But you, you have to get to that point to protect your wellness that you're you do because if someone doesn't compliment you that you looked good yes it is a bad situation and i'm not trying to say oh don't feel emotions are just data points i have no problem with emotions they tell us something that's going on but evaluate those emotions why is this person's approval so important to me why is this person's approval so important to me and then go into their shoes is what you the excitement you want them to have about something in your life is it really something that's important to them Look, Kat, you can start a podcast and you share it with some friends who don't really care about podcasting. I mean, yes, I hear that friends should celebrate each other, but you're not going to get that level of excitement as if you talk to someone who was thinking of starting a podcast and they're like, you started a podcast? Oh my goodness, that's, that, yeah. that's so wonderful because it goes back to what I said, service, right? So wellness and creativity come hand in hand. And then wellness tip number three is stop betraying, betraying your breath. Stop betraying mm-hmm. your breath. And what I mean by that is learn to take deep breaths. It goes back and links to what I said in point number one about being quiet in the storm because anxiety has really taken over a lot of us. I read a report recently that the average anxiety of a teenage child today is, is higher or exceeds the anxiety of an average psychiatric patient was institutionalized in 1950s. That's the level of anxiety we're facing right now. And what I mean by betraying the breath is that when we, when we take our focus on what's going on outside of us, away from the focus that's going inside of us, that's when we betray our breath. Take time to understand what's going on inside of you and, and reduce the energy and the time you're spending trying to figure out why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Because usually psychologist tells us 
when we ask that question, we're not really looking for the answer. We're looking for an excuse. We're not really looking for an answer, we're looking for excuse. When you get back your breath, learn to take deep breaths, your brain will start to realize where the error points were. I mean, hasn't that ever happened to you? You're like, oh, okay, I think I see why that person behaved that way. Oh, I think I see why this business didn't work out. It doesn't happen when you're you know, scrunching and, and complaining, oh, the business doesn't work, you know, you know, and, and, and I want to be very cognizant of the times that we're living in right now, you know, at, at least the time of this recording where, you know, there's a lot that's yeah. beyond our control. There's a whole lot that's beyond our control. Income has been impacted, you know, ETC. But you need to still take that time and protect your wellness and load anxiety and you will find the solution to what's going on in ar around your life. I know it sounds very superficial, but I can tell you if we had more time, I could tell you so much more about how I've seen that happen in my life and in the life of my coaching clients. Yes, I can't tell you. I don't, it doesn't sound superficial at all. I can't tell you how invaluable those three tips are. And I mean, I'm just like thinking of all the examples in my own life. And of course, you have plenty in yours too. And it's just like, it's so hard for people to remember it. So just you reminding it and, and explaining it so clearly is really great. And I'm very, very thankful for that. So now just thinking a little bit more specifically on perhaps our modern living, as you've mentioned, and also bearing in mind like where you've started as an accountant, feeling perhaps restricted or feeling definitely restricted by norms to being a motivational speaker and helping people reach new growth potential with their creativity. How has modern living, so access to a larger number of goods and information and social media, I mean, I can't even explain how much that has changed and contributed to our anxiety either been a force for good or a force for bad in terms of living out who we really are or trying to fit in? Oh, I, I love the way how you've defined and described it as, as a force <laughs> because <you> know, <laughs> this, this information age that we live in, the modern living, yeah. has definitely given us a lot more to think about. A lot of studies show that boredom is, is a great, it's a great soil for creativity. Boredom can help us spark our creativity a lot. And in this mm -hmm. modern living, we are so consumed with notification, with pings, with, with hashtags, with trending things that you're moving from yeah. one thing to the, to the other. And, and if, I, if I recall very well from my, uh, the notes that I have, the average human being, they say today, switches, between, switches 42 times in a minute between tasks. 42 times wow. in one minute from Twitter to Instagram to a phone call to 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 snapchatting mm -hmm. to the news um, outlet because of the, the to email you know constantly so much so that uh, how many times I do this um, experiment a lot when I when I we used to do workshops at least physically I would yeah. ask people to take their phone and actually power it off power it off for five minutes and for five minutes, I'm speaking with them and they're speaking with me. Mm -hmm. And then I'll always do a, a survey at the end of those five minutes. And I will ask them, by show of hands, how many people heard their phone ring? How many people heard a notification coming on their phone? And mm -hmm. nine out of 10 people say, I heard it ring. I kid you not, they even forgot that they had powered off their phone. So I tell them, check your phone. Um, I'm giving you a two minute break to check your phone to respond to oh. emails. And when people look at their phone, they're like, wait, did my battery die? Oh my gosh, my battery died. I was like, no, we actually powered it off. We actually yeah. powered off the food. But <laughs> your brain is it hasn't even gotten the moment to settle down, right? And that mm -hmm. that impacts how we, you know, trying to be who we're really meant to be because we don't have that time, we don't have that space, we don't have that energy because we're constantly reacting and reacting and reacting. And that while it's a force for good, yes, in terms of access of information, this podcast, you can listen to me. I find that the the, the the force for bad is actually a lot more depending on how we, we take it and how we leverage it because it's really driving us to a point of constantly reacting to things. And the last point under that is uh, there's a research. Um, Jay Shetty talks about it a lot in his book, Think Like a Monk. Mm -hmm. And he says, I can't remember the research, I think it was Stanford University, where um, adolescents were put into a room and they, their mobile phones was on the desk, right? And they were given a choice. Either take an electric shock or go without their phone for one minute. 
And hmm. it's about 70% of people chose the electric shock. Because if you choose electric shock, you, you're able to check your phone. So imagine yeah. a notification comes in on your phone. You have a choice for the next one minute. You have a choice either to take the electric shock now, to get the pain, and then check the message. Or wait one minute, and then you can check the notification. And 7 out of 10 people <laughs> choose the electric shock. It's unbelievable. Like, I think it's perhaps more so for people, I don't even know, for people who grew up right before the boom of like having a mobile and social media and all that. So that includes me. But I just, I can't believe it. Like I have to put my phone away at some point in the day because I just can't live with it the whole time because it's <laughs> going to be like, oh, I have to check it. I have to check it. I have to check it. And I mean, I hope, and if you have one last tip to share on this, how we can actually just get in touch again with who we are and share it with other people. Take the time not to share it, not to consume information or share it with somebody on, on a, a device, but actually share it with someone in the same room <laughs> sitting across from us. Absolutely. And um, I like what you said earlier, that creativity can bring solutions, products, but it can also bring content. And I find a lot, because I deal with a lot of creatives and people say, I say, what, what's keeping you busy? Oh, I'm busy creating content. And I tell them, you're lying. And um, it's a very harsh statement. I said, no, you're not creating content, right? You're reacting to someone else's content, right? So a lot of times when we are creating hashtag, uh, in quotation marks, creating content, we're reacting to what's popular. Now, for me, mm -hmm. content creation is about getting in touch with your imagination, getting in touch with your inspiration, and then creating, you know, that content based on that. And creating content doesn't mean necessarily posting it online. I create a lot of content in my journal. I have a lot of information and material in my journal that I use when I go on podcast interviews, ETC, and some of it I've posted, some of it I haven't. What I do for that, because you're, you're speaking to a recovering corporate junkie, right? I was a corporate junkie. I grew up in the age of Blackberries. Yeah. When the first Blackberry came out, I had a Blackberry, two mobile phones on me, and I worked in the telecoms industry back then, so I was constantly yeah. on notifications, right? <laughs> what, I, what I do today is that every Wednesday, every Wednesday at least between uh, until noon, I don't use any technology, at least until noon. I used to do the whole day, okay. uh, but working from home has been a bit, uh, it's, yeah. it's been a bit difficult trying to readjust, but I do that. And what I do, I take a walk, I go sit under a tree with my journal, physical journal, and there's so much science that backs physical handwriting. Um, I, I can give you guys that, that research. I sit down and I just write my thoughts down. I don't go with any objective to say, oh, today I want to write a chapter in my book. Sometimes I do that. Yeah. But what I do, I just simply write. And this is how these expressions come to me. And that's, this is just how you know, all these phrases and, and content comes to me. And that, for me, is content creation. Yes. Oh, I totally agree. And uh, coming from someone who also writes in a journal and loves the touch of just actually a physical book in my hand and a pen and also just reading sometimes just opening an actual book instead of oh, having yeah. always a device <laughs> this has been so interesting and amazing thank you so much for joining me today robert thank you so much i've, I've enjoyed this conversation yeah where can people find you online online just as we spoke about it uh, or about your book and buy your book and read your book <laughs> and so on and what you have to offer <laughs> Great. Um, thank you so very much for having me here on the podcast. I've enjoyed this conversation mm -hmm. and talking about this. Every time I have this conversation, it's it's so real to me that mm. it's things I've been thinking about for 20 years. I mean, you can just imagine how that's been inside of me. I'm not the best online, so I'm <laughs> just giving a caveat, okay. but you can reach out to me. The best place to get me is through my website. That's www.robertabell.com. And from mm -hmm. there, you can get links to my social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And it's Robert okay. Abel across all those social media platforms. And even on YouTube, you can check out some good content there. And uh, I have a podcast. I haven't linked it to my website yet. I need to. Oh. I have a podcast um, called Coming Black to Africa. And so you can check out that podcast if you're interested. It, it chronicles the journey and experiences of people uh, of African diaspora and coming back to Africa. It's sort of similar to my journey and how they can yeah. actually make that better. So that's how you can get in contact with me. My book is available wherever books are sold under the digital world. 
Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, you can get the links from my website, blow the lid off, mm-hmm. reclaim your stolen creativity, increase your income and let your light shine. I would be happy if you can make a purchase and please leave me a review. Um, it's okay even if you leave a one-star review because it helps me to better my craft. Uh, but I hope you won't leave a one-star review, but please feel free to leave a review yeah. on Amazon or wherever you purchase the book. Thank you once again for doing what you do for your ideas and also just your modesty and so forth. And yeah, I'm going to definitely, I've read your book, leave you a review and check out your podcast. Now, before we go, there are just four very quick questions and I call this round 42, the answer to life, the universe and everything. And that's from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in case you're wondering. Now, the first question, fire, water, Wind or earth, what are you? Wow, I would say that I am fire. Okay, next one. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? Truth that we all are unique. Very few people agree with me on that, that we have a uniqueness inside of each, every, each and every one of us that no two people are like, just like no two people have the same fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And then going back to your youth, what message would have changed your life if you'd seen it on a billboard. Life is not about work. Work is about life. Love that one. And then what would you do tomorrow if you were 20% braver? What I'll do tomorrow? (laughs) I've done all the daring things that I I can think about skydiving and everything. So this is a difficult one. But 20% braver, I would (laughs) write a second book. Okay, thank you once again, and that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're a creator, if you live abroad, if you want to do any of those things, come and find me over at insta at creators.abroad or TikTok at creatorsabroad, or you can go to my website creatorsabroad.com where you will find loads of details about everything I do. I'm looking for guests who can share insights on either living in a foreign country or moving to one, finding work, that kind of thing, and also working in the creative industries. So if you've got a a YouTube channel, a podcast, a creative business, anything like that, please get in touch and you can share your expertise, get people interested in what you do and follow you. We've also got a podcast production studio and content creation consultancy. I've been a little bit secretive about this, but it is now officially launched up and running and I'm really excited about it. If you want to find out how I do what I do, you can get all the details on my website and why not grab a coffee and we can just talk about how I might be able to help you. Last but not least, you can support the show by following me on any podcast platform. And of course, I hope you join me next time for more narrative journeys of creators abroad.